0: Welcome to the weekly teaching program from Finally Alive Ministries with pastor and counselor, Gary Aris. Gary is a full-time pastoral counselor and teacher of God's word. He has a remarkably deep passion to see people set free in Christ. You may call our prayer line at 657-246-2464 or email at prayer at finallyalive.com. That's prayer at finallyalive.com. Now, let's join Gary as he shares some amazing truth from God's counsel in this week's teaching.
1: So let's get back into our topic, continuing from our last show. And we were talking about depression, and we talked about different aspects of depression, how it happens, who can get depressed. If you want to get caught up, check out last week's episode, finallyliveradio.com, and that'll get you caught right up. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned, thank you for listening to the show. So continuing on, speaking of depression, what can make... You feel depressed. Now two major things, but three in total. First one is biological. That's gonna be like chemical imbalances we talked about, typically thyroid issues. So something biological is is a possibility. The second one, the second one is trauma. Trauma, exposure to violence, neglect, abuse. And again, abuse can come in many forms, physical, obviously, sometimes mental, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, being called names continuously growing up. These can be traumatic. People don't think it is. It actually is. It it affects you. It affects the way you think. A lot of self-esteem issues stem from things like that. Violence, neglect, abuse. But I mentioned there's a spiritual aspect to this last time. And here's where the spiritual aspect all comes together. How, how could depression be spiritual? Well, it isn't spiritual, obviously, but it's actually a spiritual war. When we look at Matthew 13, verse 3, it says, And he spoke many things to them in parables, this is Jesus, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. So remember we were talking about eisegesis in the beginning of the show? Here's some eisegetical stuff for you. I'm taking a principle from the Bible and applying it to what we're talking about. Does this mean Jesus was talking about depression? Not necessarily. But you can see some correlations with this metaphor here. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and he sowed. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road. Now, if you know this parable, it talks about different types of soil. This particular one is talking about the road. The next one's the rocky place, the other one's the the thorny, uh, and the last one is the good soil. We're just sticking to this one right now, the road. And let's describe what is a road? Now again, we have to we'll think a little ancient here. back then, they didn't have paved roads. But how did they typically have a road? Well, they had a road by a certain area being stomped on, right? Walked on constantly. You walk on something enough, well, guess what? You just paved a road. And we're using that metaphor here. This is what a depressed person can feel like they feel walked on, they can feel abused. You feel walked on. Think about the word depressed. You're being pressed. And the defense is to harden. You, you're protecting yourself, right? So what happens. It, you kind of shell up as when you're depressed and everything is kind of on the outside and you're kind of on the inside. Hence the feeling of loneliness. And what happens when the seed falls upon the road? Well, it says here, the, the birds came and ate them up. It isn't interesting? Because the, the metaphorical road, the depressed person becomes so hardened the seed cannot penetrate that road obviously well what happens if the seed is just laying on top of the road well obviously the birds are going to come and take it so what was given to you or what was either preached to you or in counseling uh, recommended to you may not penetrate the depressed person why? because they're they're shelled up they can't hear they're in a type of constant defense because of their pain but the issue is that when a helpful word is being given to them it's very difficult for them to hear for them to understand so the birds come and steal it be aware of that if you're feeling depressed you're gonna have to find a way to open up the right place right time with the right people of course matthew 13 19 when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it the evil one, this is the bird, this is the metaphor of that bird that we just read about. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one whom seed was sown beside the road. This road is like your heart. It's been, it's been trampled over. It's been stomped on. But be careful that your heart is not so hardened that when God is trying to reach out to you, you're not shut down. This is something I see commonly, you know, someone will come to me and explain to me, you know, uh, I don't think God cares about me. Well, I'll ask him, well, what do you mean? How can God not care about you? Well, why would he allow this horrible thing to happen to me? Like, for example, I remember one situation where the person was mad at God because they got divorced. And I asked, well, how was the marriage? They said, well, you know, they were a drunk. They would come home at all odd hours of the night and they were, they were physically abusive. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, God actually saved this person. But think about it, this person is not, is not seeing what I'm seeing. They're thinking God hates them. God allowed the divorce. Well, technically they're right. God did allow the divorce, but for what purpose? Maybe
2: to save you. Again, I've said this before. I hate divorce. But it's a reality of life. I hate it. I hate divorce. But you being abused is no excuse.
1: So do not harden your heart when God is attempting to do something. In fact, I would, I would challenge you to look at the situation you feel like is negative negative. And do your best to see what possibly could be positive about this. If, you know, God works everything for good, right? I mean, let's look at it from that perspective. What could he possibly be doing? In the case I just gave you, on one hand, yes, it was about that they divorced. But on the other hand, God saved them from things getting even worse. So be aware. You are the only one who can allow your heart not to be hardened anymore. You are the only one. God can send the word. God can send the people. But it doesn't matter how many people he sends if you're not willing to accept it. And remember, I always say it. And I'm going to say it again. There's always an answer. You just have to be willing to see the answer. You know that old joke, and I'll, I guess I'll tell you uh, <laughs> this old joke here. You know, God, God comes to this person in some rural area, tells the guy, hey, look, bad news. There's going to be a flood here, but good news, I'm going to save you. So the man, you know, thanks God and says, oh, thank you, you're going to save me. So and of course, the flood starts, and the flood's getting higher and higher. A truck passes by, and the truck says, hey, you know, come on in. We have one last seat. We'll give it to you. Come on in. We'll, we'll take you. And the guy says, no, 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 God's going to come and save me. And, well, the truck goes off. And a few minutes later, the the water is rising and rising and rising. And it's right up to his mouth. A small boat full of people pass by. And the guy on the boat says, Hey, we have space for one more person. Come on up. And the man says, No, no, no. God's going to save me. So finally, the water is just so high, the guy gets up on on his roof. And now he sees a helicopter coming to him. The helicopter gets close enough and says, Sir, we have space for one more person. We'll throw a rope and you can climb the rope and you'll be saved. And the guy says, no, 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 God's going to save me. And of course, the rest of the story, the person drowns and he goes to heaven. He goes before the Lord and he goes to the Lord upset. And then the Lord says, why are you upset? He says, because you told me there was going to be a flood and you said you're going to save me. And God tells him, I sent you a truck, I sent you a boat, and I sent you a helicopter. I tried to save you three times, and you denied me three times. Moral of the story, God will answer you. It may not be the way you expect it. Sometimes, and it's easy for us, looking outside in, in this man's life that maybe we're laughing at here, but guess what? You and I are sometimes that man drowning in the water when God is trying to save us. And here we are saying, no, 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 God's going to save me.
0: Would you like to download this episode for free? Now you can. FinallyAliveRadio.com has every episode ready for download absolutely free. Visit us at FinallyAliveRadio.com. That's FinallyAliveRadio.com.
1: In John 8:44, 44, Jesus is having an argument. And this is what he says. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. Speaking of the devil, he says he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. That verse is a key verse you have to realize. And I know we all know this, and this is a, a common thing said in church, you know, the devil's a liar. These are things that are repeated. But here's what most people don't understand. There is a lie somewhere that has caused this depression. See, my stance with dealing with anything that comes into the counseling room isn't to cure I'm not trying to fix somebody. I'm not trying to fix someone's depression. I prefer to go to the root cause of what is even causing the depression. Because again, we can find tons of ways to make a person feel good, but that doesn't mean the depression will go away. But if we can go to the root cause, get it from the root, many times depression can just vanish. Now, that connected to the verse I just read, Satan is lying to you somewhere. There is a lie in what you're believing. There is a twist in the thought that has happened right under your nose and you didn't even realize it. In 2 Corinthians 11.14, it says, No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. you going to realize he's a liar. Or in 2 Corinthians 11.3, Paul says, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. One thing we have in common all the way through here is deception. You have to realize that is all that Satan has. Deception, uh, spiritual smoke and mirrors, that is all. And right now, there are some people listening to this and not believing what I'm
2: saying. I understand. Therein lies the deception. Be aware of what Satan has tricked you into
1: believing. Maybe you've heard, there's no answer to this. There's no way for me to ever feel positive, good, happy. It's a lie. It's a complete lie. But if you're willing, like we talked about the road, the metaphor of the road, if you will allow your heart to be softened, not always easy to do, but if you'll allow your heart to be softened, your chances skyrocket. So how do we get through this? How do we deal with depression? First thing you have to do is you have to do some investigating you have to find the lie what is the lie if you remember from the example i gave you earlier the person was fired and they were depressed they actually thought
2: that they couldn't do the job they, they were they were worthless they can't they can't work anymore that was the lie the lie was he couldn't work anymore Complete lie. How do we know that? Because they're working now. So find the lie. This isn't as easy as
1: it sounds. Remember, like I said earlier, is your brain is built to make you survive,
2: to help you survive. So it's very easy for your brain to hide things. Again,
1: all for the sake of survival. You know, there are some people who can't remember parts of their life. And not because of a biological or Alzheimer's or something like that. Or amnesia or anything like that. But because their brain, for the purpose of survival, has turned parts of their memory off. It's a survival tactic. But we have to find the lie. And yeah, this, again, I believe is the hardest part. First John 1.5 tells us, This is the message we have heard from him. And announce to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. You got to realize God and Satan are like polar opposites. Satan deceiving dark evil. God is the opposite. Truth. Light. Think of it this way. You go into a room and the light doesn't work. What do you do? You feel around. You walk slow. You're very cautious. But if it's pitch black, you can't see anything. What does that leave you in In a state of a type of confusion? You can kind of picture maybe if you've been in the room before, but let's imagine you've never been in the room just for the argument's sake here. Imagine you go into a brand new room, no lights. What do you do? You're very careful. You don't know what's in front of you. Is Is there a sharp object? Is there nothing in the room? Regardless, you walk carefully as best you can. Maybe follow the walls. And that metaphor is a picture of Satan and what he wants to do to you. The darker he can make it for you, the more he can confuse you. The more he can confuse you, the more he can lie to you. That is his goal. That's all he has. He has nothing else. He's already defeated. He's
2: defeated. Jesus dying on the cross and resurrecting is the stamp and seal for
1: all the world and the galaxy to understand and to know that Satan has officially been defeated. But if Satan can turn the lights off on that, at least he can toy with you. That's partially why people won't believe in God anymore. Satan has turned the lights off on people. How does he he turn the lights off? Well, he gets you stuck in your phone, playing games, going on social media. Again, those are all good things, but unfortunately they've become like addictions now. People stuck watching TV all the time. Get your brain full of nonsense that's on TV and do that every single day or often enough. The lights start to go out slowly, slowly, slowly. And Satan can now have more power in your life. Like I said, this is a spiritual battle. You need the light. What is God? He is light. Using that metaphor again, a room that has no lights, you've never been in the room. All you need is a little bit of light. It's amazing. You can literally have a candle, a tiny candle in your hand, and you can make it out of the room. Pitch black room, you can make it out of the room. A tiny bit of light. That's God. Just a little bit of light is what you need. And imagine the more God you have, the bigger your flashlight, okay? That's what you want. You want as much God in your life as, as possible. Why? Because you can see better in life. You understand life better. You're less confused. And honestly, you're less taken captive, how it says in Ephesians 4, by every wind of doctrine, meaning you're not moved by all the waves, all these silly things. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you one, this whole money cometh, money cometh movement. Oh my gosh, what is that all about? Prosperity doctrine. Where do you get that from? The only way you can do that is to fully isogetically explain the Bible. That's the only way you can do it. I've looked at it upside down, inside out. I know people who have come out of that movement. That God doesn't need money. Are you kidding me? He invented the cotton that that we use to print on that money. Are you kidding me? Look, life is not about you making all the money you can. It's good to have money. I'm not against that. But life is not about you being prosperous and only you being happy. The point is to know God and know him fully, as fully as possible. As it says, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's all about the kingdom of God here. That's it. That's the main purpose here. Not money. <laughs> as quick as you make money, you can spend it that quickly. Are you kidding me? That, how, how special is that? There's nothing special about that. But I want to expose. I want to expose the darkness in that. That is a dark message. There's no God in that. There's no Jesus in that. That is all about me and the self. That is the polar opposite of what God wants. God wants selflessness selflessness. He must increase, I must decrease is the way the word says it. Not I must increase and others decrease. (laughs) No, it doesn't work that way. He must increase, I must decrease. So turn the lights on. 1 John 1 verse 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. You need the light. God. God is where truth is. You want truth? You got to go to God. See, but the thing is, are you willing, are you willing to admit your own faults, your own issues? Are you willing to go into those hurtful, painful places in your life and expose the lie to the light? Or will you be like what it says in Mark 2, 17, hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Are you willing to call yourself imperfect? Are you willing to say you've made
2: mistakes? Are you willing to accept those mistakes? This is very important. Are you willing to
1: forgive? That, I think, is one of the hardest things to do. Most people hold on to grudges
2: for years, sometimes from their youth. Let me ask you, are you willing to forgive? The
1: person who hurt you the most, maybe somebody stole something in your life. Maybe you were robbed of something or someone. Remember we talked about A heart that will not be hardened. Are you willing to soften your heart to this?
2: Because let me tell you something. You know what you're doing? You're not hurting the other person right now. By holding on to unforgiveness. You're only hurting yourself.
1: See, this is the conundrum. We hold on to this unforgiveness.
2: And the other person doesn't even know it. The other person can be doing just fine right now, for all I know. But here I am, holding on to this unforgiveness. I bet you if you were willing to let it go, it will feel like a weight
1: a weight was just lifted off of you. It's the weirdest thing you can like almost physically feel the weight coming off of you. I've tried it, it works. But you've got to be willing. You've got to let go. You have to let go. Hard to do. I'm not saying this is easy. But that's no excuse. It's hard to do. But will you soften your heart? Will you trust God in this? You've got to realize. You and I were forgiven first. And that forgiveness was a gift.
2: I like how in the word forgive, there's the word give. You've got to give it. Give the gift
1: of forgiveness, just like you receive the gift of forgiveness, and you and I don't deserve that, but God gave it to us. He sacrificed his son for you and I. He didn't need to do that. God willingly gave up his son, and Jesus willingly gave up his spirit. They didn't owe you this. In fact, you and I owed God. A very large debt. Will you forgive that person who has wronged you? All, now remember, all because you forgive doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them.
2: You can keep a safe distance from them. It's okay. But right now, just let it go. Second Corinthians 2, verse 10. says, But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also.
1: For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Notice what Paul says here. He forgave because he knows that is exactly what Satan is going to use to
2: trick you. He says, We're not ignorant of his schemes. You don't be
1: ignorant of Satan's schemes. These are the tricks. These are the
2: tricks. So the question is, will you continue to live your life in unforgiveness? Or will you let it go? And more than likely, you're going to see your depression vanish.
1: If you can do this, okay, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. Sometimes it takes some time. Sometimes you can do it right now. Either one is fine. All right, there isn't a right or wrong with this one. Either one is fine. Some things you can, you can forgive right now. Some things are kind of a step-by-step thing. I'll, I, I'm, I, I can forgive a little bit and that's okay. All right, that's okay. You just work on forgiveness. And you're going to see God move more and more and more in all this. Because the last step here is Ephesians 6 verse 11. It says, put on the full armor of God. So that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now that you know the steps after the show, will you remember these steps? Will you remember what we just did right now? What you just experienced with me right now? You've got to put on the full armor of God. You've got to be ready. You're mentally ready. You've got to be awake now. Because he's got schemes and schemes and schemes. Verse 14 of the same chapter says, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Truth. Where are your loins? It's the center of your body. The center of everything is truth. That's what holds it all together. Truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, rightness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, Faith, very necessary, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. There's no other way to do this without the faith. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times. That is your weapon. That is your weapon right there, your prayer. You praying and going to God consistently, you have to have such a good relationship with God. and how do, you, how do you build a relationship? There you go. You pray. Continuously, you pray. When you're in the car, pray. When you're walking, you pray. You build a relationship and just talk and sometimes just stay silent and just see what happens. Pray at all times in the Spirit and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So guess what? Your prayers... They're not necessarily for you. They're going to be for other people. You're going to pray for others. I'm not saying you can't pray for yourself, but part of your weapon, because your weapon is prayer, you're going to pray for others too. And guess what? If you pray for others and others are praying for others,
2: guess what? The others are praying for you too. Now that's an army. That is the most powerful powerful
1: offensive strategy ever. Everyone is ready with prayer. Listen, I, I highly recommend you go to finallyaliveradio.com. Listen to the show again. I said a lot of things. There's, there's a lot to really chew on, the, only on just on this one show. But go there, listen to it again. Glean everything you can about this. And if you have questions, email me. Go to finallyaliveradio.com. If you're going on the web, you can go on the top right, click on Contacts. If you're on a mobile phone, uh, there's like these three straight lines on the top right. Click on that, go to Contacts, and you can contact me there. Go to finallyaliveradio.com. Click on this episode. At the very bottom, you can leave a comment. So please leave a comment. I'll respond. If not, I'll probably just read it on the air. But let me know if this is blessing you or if you're finding difficult parts in this. Regardless, we'll find the answer. Again, I hope the show was a blessing to you. Until next time, God bless you. Thank you again for joining us on this week's program with Pastor and Counselor Gary Harris of Finally Alive Ministries.
0: We pray that if God has touched your heart with any part of today's teaching, you would respond and move into the healing that God has for you. Visit us at finallyalive.com. There, you can download this episode for free, email your concerns, questions or share a story of how God is using this teaching to help you grow in Christ and His freedom. If you'd like to call our prayer line, you may do so at 657-246-2464. That's 657-246-2464 or email at prayer at We will meet you again next week at this same time when we we'll look at God's Word with Pastor and Counselor Gary Harris and learn how to finally be alive in Christ.